interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Ghouls and gore. And sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. This is a brand new edition of my bloody podcast. We're so excited to be here today. I'm Brian Kluger, and I'm joined by the host with the most, the man I want to go to the monster underworld with and just create havoc and mischief and fun, Preston Barta. What's up, bud? Not, not much. How are you? I'm excellent. I'm having a good time. I'm excited. It's Friday. It's beautiful outside. And we just have an amazing show on my bloody podcast today. We have a fantastic, a legendary intercontinental champion of film and working on movie sets from the 80s through present day. Steve Head, how are you doing? Good, thanks. Good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing very well, very well. I have uh, to I have to amend your uh, introduction, thank you, but it's working on movie sets from the late 80s until the mid 90s. Some of the best movies then. <laughs> well, thanks. You know, you take what you can get. They happen to come up, so. <laughs> right, right. So uh, we're, we're going to be talking to Steve uh, today, and we're going to be talking a lot about the movie he worked on, uh, Little Monsters, with Fred Savage and Howie Mandel and Daniel Stern. Uh, very excited to talk to him about that. But first, let's start at the very beginning. Steve, where did it all begin for you in film? Was it something you watched that your parents made you watch on video cassette or Betamax? Oh, Where did it all begin? Uh, I, I would say to people, like really, Star Wars just blew my freaking mind. I just just blew me out of the water. I was completely obsessed with Star Wars in '77. Saw it 16 times, but I, but I think even before that. Um, the movie that I think my parents told me that I was really into was Benji, 1974. I was I was just obsessed with Benji, but but I'll go with Star Wars. I'll go with Star Wars. That's the only choice. Oh, Benji's a great choice because I think I remember Benji. There's like a scene with like kidnapped kids and they're like mm-hmm. bound and gagged. You're just like that's a Benji movie. <laughs> yep, believe it or not. So we we. Talk to me a bit, little bit about Star Wars, like when you first saw it, and you said you saw it 16 times in the theater in 77. Uh, yeah, I saw it at uh, the Edens 2 in Northbrook, Illinois. It's, you know how you remember, like, if your whole family sees the movie at the same time, and, and you guys, I mean, we just loved it. It was a very, it was a very formative film-going experience for me. Uh, I will admit, though, a week before, the, the, I think the day Star Wars came out, maybe it was a couple days after, I had the choice that weekend to see Star Wars or Roller Coaster. I chose roller coaster and sensor. <laughs> That's how interested I was in Star Wars. And then I, the next week is when our family uh, went to go see Star Wars, like around June 6th. So I can't lay claim to May 25. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's, but that's still great, though. Yeah. So after you watched Star Wars, you know, kind of like Preston and I growing up, we mm-hmm. loved film so much and we wanted to make films. So I would make home movies with, you know, my dad's over-the-shoulder camera, JVC. Oh, yeah. Was that was that something like you did? Oh, uh, totally. After- totally. With the Star Wars action figures, me and my friend Bob Hoover, we'd blow them up, set them on fire, all in the driveway. 
Do, do you uh, remember? Our next door neighbor, Carl Jensen, had an eight millimeter camera and he'd, uh, he'd blow up the models that we'd make. I mean, we had Galactica, Star Wars. <laughs> well, we did some crossovers. Star Wars models being blown blown up and blew up more Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Do you remember the act the the actual camcorder you used? Uh, no, it wasn't. He it was an eight millimeter film, super oh, eight. It was eight millimeter film. So yeah, you were doing I'm all. Old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, fifty four, believe it or not. <laughs> fifty four. So, did you do film yeah. at uh, school? Uh, no, I didn't. I I, um, I did apply to USC. I didn't get in. So, I mean, I wasn't like completely gung ho about the time. I think when I, when I went to college at Providence college, I, I took film courses there. Another really formative experience for me was um, I'm from Lake Forest, Illinois, and I followed the crew crew of ordinary people everywhere when they were filming, you know, on the streets at a friend's house at, at, a, at another friend's house at my mom's. I, I just went to these different locations, wherever I, uh, was told that they were going to be filming. I mean, my friend Doug literally called me one morning and said, Steve, the camera truck's in my driveway. So, so I'll go over to Doug's house and, uh, you know, watch him scene film, film scenes from ordinary people. And uh, some of them were filmed right next to our house, like literally in the park next door. So I got to see Rob, Robert Redford work. Uh, I was an extra in the uh, swimming scene at Lake Forest College because my brother was playing hockey in the next building. Uh, my little brother. Um, so that ordinary people was pretty huge. And I remember my dad and I watching that and he, he really uh, digged it. Some of those night scenes we were watching, watching them film. Very cool. I was like, I, I got to figure this out. I got to do something. Just, that, you know, that's... Like being on the film set, it's very electric. No, it is. And, you know, your film set, you know, in front of the camera as um, acting, co-star, extra work, st- stuff. I did film stuff, yeah. Yeah, like Hudsucker Proxy and Untouchables. Like, you were in that. Did, did you love um, being on yeah, set I, with Yeah, I those? play a security guard in the Hudsucker Proxy. That came up kind of like, I was hired for a week on the Hudsucker Proxy. And uh, I was doing some production work on that. And, and I was also an extra... And Ethan Cohen, the Coens literally came up to me and asked me to be in this scene because I just had a look that they were looking for. So it ended up turning into multiple scenes, uh, you know, with walking around with Tim Robbins, standing behind Tim Robbins. I got to, I got to interact and, and exchange dialogue with Tim Robbins, but it's deleted. But, <laughs> <laughs> but we do, I thought it was a pretty funny scene of him and me and like 50 other people walking down a hall and I, and I trash a photographer, but you know, we spend a lot of time in an elevator, uh, filming in the elevator, which which was cool. It was fun to do. So yeah, Hot Circle Proxy was a kick. It was. A, I'll, I'll tell you this: it was filming that movie was a real time trip. You really felt like you were in the late fifties. And we filmed a scene that was deleted from the movie. It was on a bus where um, Tim Robbins' character arrives from Muncie and gets off in Chicago, and and we're all on the bus inside this 50s bus with everybody in wardrobe and it is just a time trip unfortunately that's not in, included in the movie but they do have um w- the scene where uh we're getting off the bus at the bus station and the order was everybody had to run fast like we're you know jumping over suitcases running through the parking lot and uh you know very preston Sturgis like but they i think that scene is just the parking lot is included but not the bus itself so that was his trip. <laughs> no, that's, that's great. And I, I like yeah. to go back, back. It's like when you said that 
the Cohen brothers, like you had this certain look and it was like, we just needed yeah. you. It was like, Oh man, I would tell that to every date I went on. I was like, the Cohen brothers <laughs> wanted my look. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm credited in the film or not. I haven't checked the credits, but, but yeah, it was me and this, uh, this other guy. We, uh, we were like wingmen for Tim Robbins for, for a while uh, in various scenes. So if you probably need the widescreen version to see me (laughs) (laughs) scan and scan. (laughs) Right. And so you went from in front of the camera to behind the camera, uh, and you were camera operator, camera assistant, production assistant. Uh, No, really. I I never operated a camera. I was a second assistant. Um, I went from working as a production assistant on uh, little monsters to, I think after that I went back to, uh, Chicago worked on the on the this Jessica Lang film, The Music Box, a little bit. Then I uh, decided to move back to Wilmington. I was trying to get some more work down there at the studio, and uh, there was a, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles too, which I, I trained as a camera assistant on that movie. So I, I think the training part is great because there, there's still pressure, but you kind of really get to see everything they're doing, which is great, you know. So are you like shadowing them when you're there in production? Uh, yeah, but it did, it did turn into, there were days, I mean, it's actually actual work. I mean, I was, I was doing second assistant work and and helping uh, fill in for uh, with my coworker, Chip Hackler on second unit. Um, The way it worked was uh, when we were shooting second unit on Ninja Turtles, Chip would do uh, the main camera and we'd have a B camera. And if, and if ever the B camera was set up, uh, and we did do the B camera a lot, then I'd, I'd, uh, I'd be second assistant on the B camera uh, or C, or uh, if they really needed a lot of cameras. Uh, I remember, um, you know, when we were caving in, when the, key, when the piers caving in at the end, uh, we had multiple cameras on that. I, I, I wasn't, uh, I was second assisting on the B camera, but I'm actually the guy shaking the camera. <laughs> really yeah that's great john john cranhouse a really nice really nice guy i worked for i mean i haven't spoken with any of these people since the movie but he was a super nice guy to work for and i remember him telling me you know high velocity shaking on this camera <laughs> right <laughs> so before we jump into little monsters let's talk sure. a little bit about the secret of the, the, the teenage mutant ninja turtles 2 a little bit because sure. according to your amazing Instagram cinema nitrate. You're posting these really cool pictures behind the scenes photos. And so for you to go from little monsters to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to secret of Mm -hmm. ooze, that's a pretty big movie. I mean, at least for the time, because turtles were like the biggest thing in the world and you are working, you know, with everybody on the set almost full time. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, there was, excuse me. There, there was a big difference. I mean, getting little monsters was, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not from Wilmington. I can't, I came down from Boston at the time. I'm actually from Chicago, but, uh, the, uh, the second AD Liz Ryan hired me in the first week of August on the film, just literally when they, when they had started filming in the first week. And, and it was a matter of, um, uh, you know, it's persistence and, uh, I, I was completely willing to work as an intern um, I mean, I did get hired as a set production assistant a week later, but um, I think, you know, Liz knew I was, I was committed and it was going to be a lot of kids, you know, they, they certainly needed a, uh, you know, a couple of production assistants to help manage that. Um, but Little Monsters was different because that was a really hard job to get. I was very persistent. I didn't know what, I didn't think, I think it was pretty much going to be taking over the studio. So if I didn't get that job, 
uh, I probably <laughs> I would have been pretty bummed out about it. And I was, I was very, uh, I was very persistent. And um, I went into the office and uh, I met with uh, uh, the second assistant guy. I met with, um, oh, I forget who the production manager was on that. And, you know, he hired me in the office. And uh, then I met with John Cranhouse on the set. And, uh, and I mean, I was completely committed. I, I mean, I think they felt pretty good about it, even though there were times I'm sure they thought I was a complete fucking idiot. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, uh, I was... The thing about like getting a movie as a production assistant is, I mean, you can, you can have the desire to do it. You really, do, yeah, that's a major thing, but um, this is, you know, the, the commitment and it's very important to be there on time every day and promise that you're putting your life on hold. It's basically like you're marrying this movie and anything else that is going on in your life, you have to put that off until Sunday. That's it. You know, you're 16 hours a day, 66 days a week, and it's a full commitment. And I and I could offer them that. I had nothing to do. I mean, this is what I'm here to do. So that's it's it's a full on commitment. It's not for everyone, unfortunately. I I'd love to go back and do some other stuff, but I think a lot of crew members would feel like other things in their life kind of, you know, falls off the wayside if you can't pay attention to everything. You know, it's a it's tough. It's a real commitment. Anyway, sorry, I'm being pedantic. <laughs> oh, that was good. What do you remember about the Ninja Rap performance? Ninja Rap. Well, that was one day. Uh, you know, a lot of the movie was it was, it was a lot of fun to film, and I watch. I loved watching uh, uh, and doing. You know, working with the uh, the Ninja Turtle actors and the, and the tele um, telemetry heads were really really cool. Uh, that particular scene. Um, other people ask me about that. So that when I do post Ninja Turtle stuff on Instagram, that seems to be the scene that people like to know about. Um, that was a rare circumstance where we had both first and second units filming uh, on stage seven. I think it was stage seven. And so it was, it was a lot, and, you know, with all the extras, all of Jim Henson's crew, all of the uh, A and B turtles, B turtles being the stunt turtles that we were working with on um uh, the second unit, which is mostly what we did, obviously, you know, stunts. That was all in on that week. And it was pretty, it was very exciting. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's one moment where I think we were rapping one day. It's kind of uncomfortable. And we usually have a beer on the camera truck. And I went over to the next van to ask for ice. It's Ice's van. I go into the van and I'm, I'm, there, I'm asking for ice. I'm literally, you know, and I think they thought I was joking. <laughs> Not a joke. <laughs> I, was, I, I remember going into the motorhome and seeing the van there and, and uh, they gave me some, uh, some ice. It was not a joke. Um, <laughs> no, I, uh, he was, it, was, it was really cool to uh, see all that work. You know, it was, it was all playback, but it wasn't like he wasn't singing. He actually was, but, you know, there was, there was a track um, going on for many of the shots. Some of the shots were silent. So it's, it's a bit awkward when you're filming it because you just hear everybody jumping around, you know, but you got to record dialogue. So, you know, uh, there is that. Um, yeah, I remember, uh, uh, I think it was David Chen who was the producer. I forget. We brought, we brought the two monsters onto the set for the first time. And he was very clear about nobody taking pictures. Um, you know, the turtle and the, and the, uh, the fox, whichever the, monster was 
so that that I remember being like, oh, okay, I'm gonna have to put the camera back on the camera truck. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we we had a there was a family day where one day one day uh, while we were while we were filming uh, the club scene, uh, crew members were allowed to bring their families to the uh, to the set and. You know, they all had their pictures taken with the turtle, the turtles or stunt turtles at different times. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. That's really cool. Sorry, guys. I can keep going, but. No, no, no. I I'm, no, I'm, I'm self-conscious about talking too much. <laughs> oh, no, no. We love these stories. It's what this is all about. We love hearing these cool behind-the-scenes stories that we cool. would not get to hear. Cool. So. Yeah. Um, I thought uh, uh, John Cranhouse was great to work for. We what, what our job was is we had to match the shots. So. On, on second unit, what I was doing was um, uh, I, I kept a book of all the lenses we'd use, all the measurements. Uh, I'd measure how high the camera is away from the, off the floor, where it is, how far it is from, the, from our marks, um, you know, the, the different filters we were using. Uh, all of this I had, uh, you know, um, matched. So if we ever needed to go back and film something, we could get those same lenses or filters and kind of position the camera the you know the way it was um also we were matching what shelly johnson was filming on first unit so uh you know you kind of had to deliver a a uh, photograph the scene within the range of what he'd already you know shot right. so we we're doing like uh inserts and stunt scenes and things like that there is one scene that there is one stunt that's cut out of the um of the club scene and I don't know, remember if it was Nick Palma, the stuntman for Michelangelo, or it was one of the other guys. Uh, but we had all the foot soldiers lined up in a circle. And one of the turtles, one of the stunt turtle guys, uh, did this constant roundhouse kicking of knocking them all out, going around and around, knocking them all out in a circle. And as far as I know, that's not in the movie. I wondered uh, Interesting. about that. Yeah. And, you well, know, maybe it is. Maybe I forgot. <laughs> so so being on the production side of something like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, is there anything different that you had to do personally as opposed to working with actors without full uh, masks on and costumes? Um, well, the, I, uh, to tell you the truth, uh, there were a couple of shots where uh, I had to run to stay out of camera frame. We... Um, we did a shot in the construction site where one of the turtles is being thrown by one of the mm -hmm. monsters. And it was a point of view shot where uh, it was, we had the camera set up on a rig where it was going to go completely 360. So where you, you were going to see everything at some point, maybe not too low in the frame or too high, but the camera was going to go all the way around 360. And I had to run to stay ahead of it. And oh God, I remember falling over and getting in the shot and uh, I think we did that uh, multiple times. So you see maybe a brief version of that, but I kept thinking, oh man, this is, I'm screwing this up. I'm sure people are going to laugh about this in dailies. <laughs> you know, why, did, why didn't I just like lay down in front of the camera and try and hide like at the base of the camera? I don't know. But you, that's, that's what that was. That's great. That was that's a lot great. of running on that particular shot. So um, I guess moving to Little Monsters now, sure. uh, I mean, this, this film really has multiple layers going for it. And I think it's one of those few films that never dumbs it down for kids who want to watch it. 
Mm-hmm. Like it's pretty upfront and honest of what it is and how even frightening it can be and deals with real world problems. Um, yeah, there is uh, some questionable stuff. <laughs> even looking at it today, it's sort of uh, um, like, wow, I can't believe we did that. Are you sure this is okay? I'm thinking, <laughs> I don't know. So Never do you, thought, I didn't think about it at the time. You know, so did, uh, I know Press and I still adore and love this movie, but what do you, how do you feel about this movie, you know, being a part of this film that still has tons and tons of love? Well, I, I love it. I mean, uh, I wasn't really aware of anybody really being interested in the movie until around 2014. Um, when it came out, I don't recall it ever being released in Chicago. Otherwise, I would have seen it. But as far as I knew, it was only in a couple hundred theaters on the West Coast, maybe less than that. I don't know. Uh, I would, I've never actually, I mean, I've seen it projected in 35 at the dailies. I've never actually seen it in the theater. Um, that might've been the way for a lot of the crew members because the movie just didn't get a wide release, but I don't think it was a matter of the quality of the film. I think it's, it's a good movie. It's certainly strange. I mean, good Lord, but uh, it was a matter of, I think Vestron finances at the time. Um, so I'm told and uh, MGM, I think, bought the film uh from vestron but um yeah it was, it was around 20 it was the early t- yeah it was around 2013 2014 i i was on facebook and i had um people ask me if i'm the person who worked on the movie and they oh and you know what there was a message board in the early 2000s um like 2004 2005 and i and I uh, saw the message board and I started contributing to it and trying to clear some things up because people, there was no making of information on it. So I offered, you know, whatever I could. Um, that was around 2005. I was listening to some of the audio commentary on the Blu-ray and uh, Jared Gahan referenced to me a couple of times. I was surprised. I, I didn't think anybody would ever remember that stuff. Um, so that was cool. Um, and you can see some of us working in, in some of the background you know, in the uh, onset footage, which was really great to see, you know, friends and other people I I worked with. It was very cool. Um, But yeah, in 2014, um, I had someone contact me about, they wanted to know the filming locations and visit the filming locations. And uh, they made a video about that. And uh, I had some fans of the films (laughs) send me other photos and things. And so it was out there. It was definitely there. And so that was the first time that you actually saw like, whoa, there is a huge there's a big following for this movie still. Uh, I don't actually, I never didn't actually think that until recently to tell you the truth. Um, I knew that there were ardent fans of it, but I didn't know that uh, there were people writing fan fiction and doing, you know, going so far as to go to the cement factory and visit the cement factory and take videos. I mean, last week I had somebody uh, instant message me about, um, filming in the cement factory and where the sets were. And uh, so, yeah, you know, with the Blu-ray coming out, I, you kind of, I guess I kind of see it a little. It's awesome. You oh, know? That's cool. I, re- I really do like the, uh, you know, <laughs> I think my family is like, oh, yeah, Steve, you did that, whatever. I really don't get to talk about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and my girlfriend, you know, I, I fear that she might get sick of it too if I talk about it too much. So here we go, right? No, that's good. <laughs> Talking about it. <laughs> so do you still have a... Well, you mentioned earlier that you kept note of like all the different lenses and everything. And from looking at your Instagram, Mm. it's pretty like 
well documented and I know all the information of like who was there and a lot of people would just post something and it, that's all we would have is just the photos. So I mm -hmm. imagine that you probably have some journals or something. Um, I do. I have a lot more information than I do photos on Ninja Turtles. Um, I do have a lot of little monsters photos that I've been posting and uh, you know, I, I always liked, I thought the call sheets were pretty cool. Harry Bring, who was the uh, second AD on it and Harry had a great sense of humor. I mean, he'd work his humor into the call sheets. It was like, I, I was just looking at it earlier today as I was, uh, you know, trying to uh, recall some stuff, some information on a, for a Instagram post. And we'd work at the, the ideal cement plant and Harry refers to it as the ideal situation, <laughs> which is pretty funny because it was an arduous month, at least in the cement factory. So yeah. Harry Bring always wore pink. And I think there was a day on late in the shoot in October where we had a, a pink day where everybody had to wear pink. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah. So with In Little Monsters, can you talk to us about working with all the kids like Fred yeah, sure. and, um, and Ben? With Fred and, uh, and Ben. Well, uh, the way it worked was... Um, uh, my co-set production assistant was uh, uh, Penny Pridemore. And uh, on the production team, it was uh, Randall Badger as the first assistant, Harry as the second. Um, he replaced Liz Ryan, who was really cool. She hired me, and I was really bummed out that uh, uh, for whatever reason, she didn't continue on the film. That really sucked. But, I, you know, Harry's great. He's a very funny guy. Um, and so it was uh, Randall, Harry, me, and Penny. And um, Penny was more responsible for uh, managing where Fred and Howie were. Uh, I was more responsible for the uh, stand-ins, photo doubles, uh, Stacey Barnhill and um, uh, Bill Roberts, who was uh, Howie's double. Um, so, you know, it, it was managing, uh, making sure everybody was where they needed to be at a certain time, you know, makeup uh hair costume uh there were there were times when there was just a lot of crossover and i'd i'd be working with fred or penny would be doing something else and um you know it, it, we just we just it was a real sort of tandem thing we just had to make sure they got to uh, certain places at the studio uh the makeup trailer uh or at the cement factory which was a real you know that was uh that was some logistics there um you know, make, making sure we were reporting in as to where everybody was and, and what they were doing and how long it was going to take to get there was usually very, you know, important. But Penny was the one who uh, mostly uh, uh, managed, you know, Fred's schedule and, uh, and Howie's. There was more um, at, the, at the cement factory. We were also doing, there was another, I guess you could say it was a second unit, but they, were, they did all the optical effects, miniatures okay. at the cement factory. And uh, so uh, the stand-ins, photo doubles did a lot of work for that, uh, you know, because the kids can kids can only work so long, so many hours. So there's a number of scenes in the movie where I'm watching it and I'm like, that's nah, not Fred stand-in. Like in the first movie, when you see uh, uh, Brian sitting on the uh, stoop watching the moving van, mm -hmm. that's not Fred, that's Stacy. Uh -huh. Yeah. All right. Uh, and, and pretty much, and there's, and you know, a lot of scenes doing the under uh, bed transition, but it was just a matter of, you know, because you only have the kids for, you know, so much time and uh, logistics yeah. of the cement factory and stuff. I, I 
filled in for Howie on an occasion. So there's one shot in the movie with me. It's not Howie. That's as, amazing. Uh, as Maurice, it, believe it or not, running across it's, the bridge. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So is Howie, so he was is a great stand-up comedian. Was he, yeah. you know, super fun and funny on yeah. set? Like, oh, he's fantastic. I mean, the stuff that people were saying about his germaphobe stuff, I had never heard anything like that. I said, you know, Howie was very cool. Um, <laughs> it looks I mean, like admittedly, just... you know, we're sitting there, we're, we're sitting there, standing there in the cement factory before and after shots. And sometimes the director's way far away or the, the second or the first assistant, you know, and, and the, so they'll call the directions through the walkie talkies. So I'd be actually giving the starts to, uh, you know, Fred or Howie on, you know, a rare occasion, but it happened uh, or, you know, the kids through walkie talkie because it's like a cavern in between some of the areas at the cement factory. So, um, you know, a, but I have to say a production assistant's job is not to talk on set. I'm not there to have, you know, extraneous conversations with anybody, you know, it's, you got to be quiet and uh, you know, the real communication is, you know, with, Richard Greenberg, cinematographer, gaffer, uh, first assistant, you know, talking, you know, those guys talking with the actors. Um, the, the set production assistants, our job is the, in this case, was the kids. Moving the background actors, talking with them about what they're supposed to do. Make sure they, when you, I've done this on a number of films, you got to make sure that your background actors have a mission so they don't look like they're wandering. It really is, it's amazing uh, that, you know, some background actors are really good and these kids on this movie really surprised me um you know the uh, as far as like what they came up with I, you know i thought there was some really ingenious things when uh you know we when we were shooting in the uh, cement factory i i was very impressed you know the the actor who played schmoog uh the little kid uh, dana who played uh, arnold who got his head removed <laughs> <laughs> yes. i remember looking at the uh at the call sheet and it says uh, arnold's removable head like what <laughs> okay this is what we're doing today yes they came up with yeah and the Um, monster ball was um that was a lot of that was a couple busy days for sure but you know all the kids loved it it was um you know i mean you're in this environment you're dressed as monsters all these sets are real and uh you know there's there's miniatures there's forced perspective stuff but really what they were seeing was going that's what was was going on a lot of it yeah um what, cgi yeah I, I had a question and if it was an, an onset joke or um if it was just something the director added but the peanut butter and onion sandwich do you know anything about oh, that why that uh, was in i wasn't there? i wasn't there on that day that was an insert shot that was shot towards the uh, beginning of the film uh i don't know the genesis of that i wasn't there for it okay all right yeah no, i was i was curious you know i was because it's such an oddball thing to have in the movie <laughs> yeah and i wonder if that's like that's actually some people, something he liked or didn't like or uh i don't know i, I mean I, I guess that's his question for the screenwriters i mean <laughs> i'm i'm really just i always thought of myself i'm like a construction worker i just do what i'm told to get stuff done but um that story stuff is like that's really the screenwriter territory but but there is a lot of background information they that i i saved that uh you know they gave us and things that were different, you know, before we were filming and things that sort of ended up like all the monsters had names. They're not just little monsters. I know that's the way it's listed on uh, Instagram, but each of them for the most part 
had excuse me they all had names yeah some of them changed because i think howie came up with uh some stuff on the set i know the one scene we did with the two girls bobbing back and forth on the stairs is how he's introducing them yeah they, they had they had different names i think kala the girl closest to fred on close that's cow that's fred's sister kala the other girl um i'm guessing it was malie elise uh she's also the pitcher in the in the monster ball scene it's a girl mm. pitcher um uh they had different names it was uh, the kid the the elise her name was dog ears and uh kala's was stretch face or something she played she it's it's a little confusing because she played a couple of characters in the um underworld scenes i mean we're at the cement factory for like a month maybe more and you know fred and brian are and uh and ben are there and, and kala and fred's parents of course um and she's she plays she plays a couple she plays stretch face she plays another monster with a teddy bear on her back uh i think she plays a different monster you know they, because you're there all the time you want to be in the movie we can make you up as someone else you know right and they reused kids some kids played uh, different monsters most of them the same ones but it was, you know, they, they loved it as far as I could tell. <laughs> it was, and then, and there wasn't really any, I mean, except for a couple of instances that, you know, it's just kids being kids, but it was a lot of fun. You know, did Fred play any of them, any of the monsters? I, I recognize. No, ben. uh, no, he didn't. He was uh, not that I'm aware of. I don't recall him ever being, uh, going, gone into any other different wardrobe. Ben did. Ben placed yeah, one of the batters in the, yeah. uh, monster ball scene and that was like um i remember that day because um uh most of the kids were in they'd stay in the holding room at the cement factory and that was you know that's that's off limits for anybody else who's just you know that, that's for uh school you know yeah uh, and i think they had like a major makeup and wardrobe kind of maybe sort of setup thing in there i don't know um it wasn't until uh one or two or the group of the kids uh, would leave the um, uh, holding area that I'm me or Penny would uh, take them to the set and then be responsible for them while they're, you know, on the set. Um, so, you know, Harry was sort of the, uh, Harry Bring was kind of the intermediary on that. Like, Steve, where are you? What are you doing? What's the ETA with the kids? And, you know, we'd report back as to what the makeup situation was and which, ki- you know, uh, casting gave me a list, which I actually still have of all the kids with their names and, characters and you know get everybody straight and uh get them to the set on time (laughs) that's cool Um, i hope i answered your question (laughs) for sure and so my background um was one of a great scene with it was like a huge arcade with pizza all the pizza and soda you want um yeah so you brought in all of these games and uh well that was uh that was the set dressing yeah they rented all those uh pinball machines brought them in on the truck hauled them in um the uh the yeah, it was it was a lot of set dressing that that was their stuff again i i you know i'm just there witnessing this stuff i didn't have anything to do with it best thing i can do is keep my hands off of it <laughs> it's, it's a, you know it's a hot set there was one time where i think uh, uh we're filming the dinner scene and in between takes a candle fell over and something caught fire on the table so i did call that one out we went over and put it out it was very small uh there is a major what I think is like a deleted scene that we filmed and it took a whole day, half a day at least 
to film, uh, it establishes Maurice using the flamethrower at the end of the movie. We filmed a scene with three little monsters with flamethrowers. Uh, the center monster flamethrower, he actually had a flamethrower. I mean, they lit him up. It worked. The kids were had these guns with fire at the end of them. But, you know, it was, don't get me wrong, it was safe. The special effects guys knew exactly what they were doing. They lived for this stuff. In fact, that's what they told me. Um, and... Uh, the kids came in, we, we filmed the shot with them approaching the table. The line was uh, Brian asking Maurice about, you know, you guys, you all just make messes. Doesn't anybody ever clean up? And Maurice said something that in fact, we don't clean up, you know, and then the three monsters come in and then we filmed the shot with a uh, flamethrower burning the table, the dinner table up. Um, which I thought was pretty cool. Everybody wanted to see that. I remember standing way back. Everybody had to. We had a fire engine on the set that day, just in case anything uh, went awry. It didn't. But I remember, again, Will, the special effects guy, walking back from the set saying, this is why I do what I do, Steve. <laughs> I, saw him, I saw Will, like, maybe a year later when I was interviewing for a job on Home Alone. Oh, and that reminds me... Um, uh, Macaulay Culkin and his brother, what's his younger brother's name? Kieran. Kieran. Yeah, they they auditioned for Little Monsters. Really? They, uh, the audition was, I saw the videotape. They auditioned in New York uh, before the film. Don't know why the, uh, the you know, well, the choices a home, were made. but Yeah, there is a Home Alone Little Monsters connection though too, right? Yeah. With, um, what's his name? Rat. Uh, Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern and yeah. um, uh, the, the, the bully. Oh, Devin. Yeah, yeah, Devin. He's yeah, uh, Buzz that. in Home Alone too, right? Yeah, I just thought Devin was terrific. He was very yeah. well cast. Um, I De- Devin was super cool. He didn't we didn't do a most of his stuff was um, we shot the scenes on the uh, on the school bus and Dick Bush, the cinematographer. I thought his exterior shots with the kids walking on the wall, um, just the the stuff in the school bus. I just I just thought it looked great. I mean, Dick was. Um, uh, he, uh, just one of the nicest guys, British cinematographer. When I think about Dick, I think about how I wish that I that we had IMDb back in the eighties, because then I would have known that you know the other films that he worked on, like Sorcerer. Yes, you know, working with William Friedkin and that whole. Maybe some people would call it with the debacle. I wouldn't, <laughs> but uh, you know he would have had some things to say about that. Anyway, I regret that. Um, but I didn't get to ask him about it. And towards the end of the movie, Dick said, asked me, we were talking on the monster ball set um, after doing some takes. And, and I said, you know, I, I was using the working on little monsters to try and figure out what I wanted to do. And I was thinking of getting into camera, which I did for Ninja Turtles too. And, and Dick said, well, Steve, why don't you tell me? I would have, you know, I would have helped you out. I would have uh, answered your questions. And I really regret that. I just, to have somebody like Dick Bush, you know, sort of there, to discuss things with about filmmaking would have been just fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, re- I really liked the camera crew guys, Joe D'Alessandro, excellent. Uh, Frank Goodwin, first assistant on that. I remember Joe, Joe was just a super nice guy, he's still working. He's done a bunch of stuff. We, we briefly kept in touch afterwards. Uh, I remember Joe went up to work on graffiti bridge Prince's movie. And he sent me uh a uh, graffiti bridge crew shirt, which I thought was pretty cool. 
and I, but I couldn't wear it in good conscience because I think if it said, you know, if you if it says film crew and you weren't actually on the crew, um, I didn't get the job. But you know, I, I felt guilty about it. But yeah, he sent me that, which is very cool. Um, with with yeah, with, where was I? I'm sorry. I'm no, with with your PA work on Little Monsters, were you doing uh, work pre-production as well? No, I didn't start on Little Monsters until. Um, literally the first week of photography. Um, so that would have been sometime in the first week of August and they had already been down there casting. Uh, I mean, I think that, I think they were still casting, you know, a lot of the local kids for monsters uh, sort of maybe up until the, we started filming at the cement factory in September. Um, but no, there was, there's, there's a good portion of the early stuff that I wasn't uh, there for the scenes with um I think I only saw Margaret Witten maybe for one day because her scenes were filmed towards the beginning. Um, uh, yeah. So, um, and, but um, I think there, yeah, one of the major things that happened was there was a fire. Uh, the original production office for little monsters was in downtown Wilmington and there was a fire that destroyed a lot of stuff. And, uh, but, you know, as far as I know, the crew got, uh, producers, uh, uh, Andy Licht and uh, Jeff Mueller got everything together and they, they moved the production office into the studio, which I think was sort of more convenient. I mean, it wasn't their first choice for, for things to do. Maybe the studio helped them out on it, but I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. They, they moved the offices right in there next to stage seven. And I remember, uh, helping the, uh, move some of the stuff into the office uh, there was some great production artwork that Carol, I forget her name, her last name, Carol, she worked with Paul Peters in production design. She had a wonderful mural, uh, just painting of, uh, of Howie as Maurice. I thought it was, you know, hanging above her desk. And I'm like, this is sort of when I, you know, I, I didn't, you know, we'd film Howie, but we'd, you'd, you'd, he wouldn't all the time be in complete costume. But when I saw that painting for the first time, I was like, that's Maurice. Wow. Hmm. You know, um, so you know a lot of the effects stuff we did with um, Maurice and uh, Fred in his room. That was the middle of August, uh, and you know, we, you know, we we built the the room high up on a stage. There was a lot of room beneath it for the puppeteers and up, you know, lowering and raising Howie from the. Uh, we actually used the uh, um, the dolly uh, crane to lower Howie down into the floor. So it's the grip, Gene Poole, who's actually lowering it into the floor. <laughs> so, you know, practical effects. I just, it was really cool seeing Robert Short bring the different stuffs, different things to the, uh, to the set. He had the marionette eyes, you know. Uh, all the kids around the, um, uh, the baby's crib was really cool. That was uh, interesting to see. Uh, certainly a little dark. Uh, yeah, uh, one of the actresses, little girls, uh, sprained her ankle, and uh, but she was okay. Ultimately, it was just really sad, you know, because the kids are there and excited to work on the movie, and someone hurts themselves, and uh, so that was not fun. I brought her to the hospital. We checked, and ultimately, it was a uh, sprained ankle, and she was back. I believe she was back uh, relatively soon. So good. That was good. Memorable because you know, yeah. you have to go to the hospital. So. Do you have the capacity to get scared of your own movie? Because, I mean, I, uh. <laughs> I, what led to this whole discussion was you commenting on my post about the movie saying oh, really? that I was, I, press, I 
I don't remember. I, I was expressing like how scared I was of Oh Hulk yeah. Because he was like at the center of many of my nightmares when I was a huh. kid, but like now as a parent, when I watch it and you bring up that crib scene, I was like, and I have a toddler and I was like, this is uh, um, crazy. It's interesting. You know, I, I didn't think about it at the time. I mean, I don't, um, when you're making the movie, it, it, you know, it's really the director and uh, the producers who have this overall idea of what it's ultimately going to look like and how it's going to play. And um, I, I didn't really think about that. I, I, I can, I think I did think of it as just more of a, as a kid's movie, but looking back on it, it does have these, creepy moments yeah. i mean i always like that reveal of boy you know especially when we had the camera camera go behind uh, tracking around the back of his head where you see his skin is tied over his reptile head is he wearing like his, oh, terrific sorry is he wearing like kids skin uh i believe so yeah that was uh I, you know again <laughs> this is a question for um the screenwriters but you know where does boy get his skin and i had always thought that um you know because because i'd seen the effects i'd seen how uh it's attached to his head i i the the makeup effects i posted some photos the other day um it is basically it's skin that's pushed over his face and then tied in a knot in the back yeah really creepy um i had uh uh, uh the other podcast i was on the uh 88 miles per hour podcast uh, they um, asked me about, you know, what was what boy's purpose for wanting Brian. There was, I mean, I don't recall exactly, but there was, you know, because we, I think we knew that boy was older than Howie. Uh, you, you go down into the monster as an underworld as a kid, but you actually do age a little. But and I had a script note that said that Howie, that Maurice was more than a hundred or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and boy was older and of course uh, snick too but perhaps i was thinking you know boy is the oldest monster in the underworld he is you notice how howie's character grew horns midway through you uh, after being exposed to stuff you develop i guess these monsters develop different deformities boy is utterly deformed into a reptile and uh there may be a, a time limit on the uh on the face that he can use perhaps he wanted brian's face that's, I mean, you, I, you, when you explain it, oh my. Discussing that with some of the other people was like, I don't know. I mean, I remember thinking like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's entirely world, possible. Did the world go feel that? that, that I mean, what big? is he thinking? I'm sorry? Did the world feel like, because as we're talking about it, and then you mentioned earlier about like, there's all this fan fiction. I'm sure yeah. maybe people have explored that, but did it Possibly, feel but- that massive then in terms of like the scope of the story i'm sorry can you did, you did like did it feel that massive then because there's like all these things and they could continue making stories exploring this world because of all these details i well i knew that i knew that there was some depth to this universe the screenwriters had created uh but ultimately i think what i was talking about with you know the skin and boy and stuff that's really a, a screenwriter question i can I can only, uh, I think, I think some, some, you know, we were just guessing about, about stuff. Um, I remember taking Frank to the set. I was one of a couple of people uh, that did. And, and on that day, on the first day, uh, I, I was told that Frank's father had recently passed away. So he was not in high spirits. It was not, uh, 
yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a, an electric situation, uh, understandably. But um, he was very focused on, on like just boy, just channeling this, uh, this character, and uh, didn't really talk to him. It was, it was pretty. It was. I was like most of the time. It was just like he's doing this. No words exchanged. We just, we just got to do it. The the makeup trailer was right outside the, uh, right outside the the set. So it was a very short walk. Um, and uh, yeah, it was. Um, there there wasn't a lot of talking. It was very quiet. I remember. Um, but again, story stuff with the expanded universe. That's uh, um, screenwriter stuff. And unfortunately, there was a there was a screenwriter strike at the time. And Andy Licht had said that um, the screenwriters couldn't visit the set. Yeah. So, I mean, it could have helped. I, I certainly would have if I had had the opportunity to meet with them, ask them stuff. There was one day where a screenwriter did. I guess there was one day he was allowed to visit the set. And ultimately, it's a deleted scene that was uh, from the, the storeroom, which if you watch the extra features on the disc, you can actually see the scene as we're filming it uh, with Howie talking about the different stuff on the shelf, showing Fred around. And he talks up to a monster who's kind of like the file clerk mm-hmm. in that scene. Uh, in the script, the monster's name is Munchie. Uh, it was, they went back and tried to film it again, I think, in early October. I remember seeing a note for that on, uh, in the production. Um, but the way it was filmed originally was he's sitting on this uh, very tall unicycle, maybe eight or 10 feet high, and it's covered in this sort of metallic tinfoil-like, you know, had a very silvery, glittery sort of neck to the uh, unicycle, bicycle-type contraption. And uh, he's up there filing things. And in the script, I don't know if this is in the movie, but Howie and Fred find a... Uh, a nudie magazine in the script it's uh, women in chains and i think the way it was on the way we filmed it was a playboy with a centerfold and this is where uh uh when fred's character sees this he says i've got an idea and i think that's where they that's what they plant that's what they're gonna you know they steal the uh uh the nudie magazine i remember how his reaction was as as maurice was ah i already had this <laughs> <laughs> something like that so I already have this some one. funny stuff yeah that's Marissa. good. Got him, got him. So while you've done the work on Little Monsters, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, your acting work, um, you are a member of the Boston Film Critics Association, right? Uh, yeah. In the mid-90s, uh, I sort of realized what I really wanted to do was like write about film. This is my passion. And uh, I had a lot of experience working on films, but I'd always sort of... Um, uh, you know, what I wanted to do was write about stuff. And uh, I, uh, I mean, I contributed to some fanzines in the mid nineties. Uh, I worked with a website that uh, Scott Chitwood and um, uh, Darren, Oh God, I forget his last name. Shoot. Uh, anyway, uh, it's, it's the force, the force.net. We were doing uh, star Wars stuff yeah. from 96 until uh, 2000. That's like full circle and, uh, for you right there. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, it was really great doing uh, the force.net. We'd, we'd have great stuff every day on the prequels. Ultimately I was not a fan of the prequels, but we did turn um, the force.net into uh, another publication film force, which uh, was brought on by IGN. 
Uh, before that, they were called Snowball, but uh, and we became IGN Film Force. And so I was doing all movie reviews and uh, just production news and things like that for IGN from 2000 until around 2008. And that was great. You know, I, I got to travel to many different places, uh, report from film sets, interview some really cool actors and filmmakers, uh, all kinds of stuff. I mean, like, you know, just the opportunity to interview Dennis Muren and um, uh, just a, a lot of different people, Del Toro. Um, lots of actors, uh, you know, got to watch them film some scenes on Tomb Raider, Superman Returns. Uh, hell, the Dukes of Hazard, remember that? X Men, yes, different places, different stuff. It was very, uh, I just you know, I really, I really digged it. Great That's experience. great. And uh, after that, um, uh, so yeah, I was doing movie reviews for uh, IGN, and uh, uh, after that, uh, I worked for AOL, they had a site called propeller.com for three years, not for three, not three years, maybe a little less than that, a couple of years. And I've been freelancing, you know, since. I mean, I, um, I've i had some opportunities to get back to film sets and do uh, some reporting, you know, from there. You know, uh, it was cool to see them film Riddick uh, and uh, Mama, the Del Toro horror, horror movie. Yeah. Well, actually, it was Andy Machete. But um, so, yeah, you know, it's, it, it's a whole, from that perspective, it was kind of freeing because as, as a writer, you really kind of get to uh, you get to go in and talk to people you know, and, and find out what they're thinking about, you know, filming these scenes as someone who's working on it. You don't, you just have to do it. You do with the work. You have to shut up and work. Do you have a different yeah. take on writing about film now that you've done so much work in the industry behind the camera? Do you take a look at it differently? Um, I think so. I mean, I, tr- I fear that if I try to be too technical about something, it's going to distance the readers, uh, but it's still something that, uh, that interests me. Uh, I've, I did a podcast uh, for a number of years, four or five years, uh, with my buddy John Black, fellow journalist, called the Post Movie Podcast. And we stopped around two, 2014, uh, but that was great doing that every, every you know, week as much as we could. Uh, I wrote for uh, and did a podcast for uh, Diabolique Magazine, a horror publication, and I uh, really enjoyed that. I liked seeing stuff in print, uh, mm-hmm. which was very cool. Um, a buddy of mine, Lou Tambone, asked me to participate in a book on Blade Runner, which I thought was a lot of fun. It took me for fucking ever. I'm, I'm sure I, I always regret the fact that like Lou must have been like, Steve, why is this taking so freaking long? But uh, I did a piece on the making of the 70 millimeter prints for uh, Blade Runner and uh, interviewed the guys who did that and uh, got to hang out with Douglas Trumbull for a while, a couple times. So that was very cool. That's cool. So, um, it's a different kind of experience, but uh, I'm pretty grateful, you know, what do you uh, very grateful. Of? I'm sorry. What, what thing have you worked on that you feel most proud of? Um, wow. Most proud of, uh, you know, those first couple of jobs were, were definitely accomplishment. Uh, I think uh, little monsters and Ninja Turtles were certainly, uh, an accomplishment. Uh, Baby's Day Out was, you know, that wasn't easy either. And I thought it was a really cool film to work on because the sets were, you know, especially the construction set they built at the, at the, um, uh, in an armory in Chicago. I thought it was just phenomenal. Um, 
I never, I, I did, I worked on a couple of John Hughes films, but I, uh, I never got to talk with John Hughes because that's not my job. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I remember uh, on Miracle on 34th Street being on the set with Richard Attenborough and, and John Hughes and thinking this is pretty sweet. But I also remember thinking like, Mr. Attenborough, why are you reading Prince of Tides? <laughs> I never would have mentioned it to him, but that's what he was into at the time. So. That's cool. It's my job not to talk. I'm just there doing stuff. <laughs> well, did you talk at all to Daniel Stern since you got to work with him again in Rookie of the Year? No, no, that was, uh, I, I didn't. I didn't. It's, you know, I'm, I'm really low man on the totem pole, but I do get to just getting to see how stuff worked was, uh, was great. You know, seeing him work at Wrigley field for a while was, uh, was interesting seeing him film those shots, uh, rookie of the year. I was talking with, um, someone else recently about rookie of the year. And I, it's a film, that's also a movie I haven't seen since it came out. And, uh, we filmed the scenes where he uses his arm ability for the first time. That was a giant slingshot that they had in center field. It wasn't this digital thing. They actually did have a slingshot with a ball that they couldn't make it work correctly. And it took a while. And Daniel Stern was not happy about that. They tried. They tried. Interesting. Um, yeah. That's yeah. cool. I love that movie. I grew up with right. that movie. Yeah. <laughs> what was cool was, uh, so I played a Montreal Expo. But it was very cool getting to sit in the uh, visitor's dugout and use the uh, the locker room. You know, yeah. that was really cool. But when... When I think was it Barry, it was Barry Bonds and Pedro Guerrero and maybe somebody else they came to the set. Those guys were huge. <laughs> I, mean, like, I mean, like obviously they can hit home runs like crazy. You know, it was crazy. Uh, and um, so when they when they filmed those scenes, they put in fake. It was filmed at Wrigley. They just put in fake bat drops behind them. Yeah. So it looks like another stadium, but it's not. But I just I thought. Man, there were some scenes with Pedro Guerrero where he was twirling that bat like a baton. I was like, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> the guy you want on your team. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Um, what, are, what is your most thrilling cinematic moment, both as a fan and as um, a writer slash production? Wow. Um, well, definitely as a fan, Star Wars. You know, as, as a film critic, I... Um, I really enjoyed going to the press screenings and uh, hanging out with my friends there and seeing different films. And I remember when uh, my buddy Bob Chipman um, is very uh, into, um, you know, Marvel, that's his thing. Comic book movies, that's his thing. And when we saw uh, Avengers for the first time, I looked over at Bob and he was just like, the man, the man was in heaven. This was his movie. It was working. And I remember feeling really good about that. <laughs> you know, when Bob, when Bob likes a uh, superhero movie, it was a good, uh, it was great. It was great to see him really enjoying that. And we all did, you know, that was memorable. Um, seeing it's a mad, 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 mad world in 70 millimeter for the first time was stunning to see that movie, how it was fundamentally filmed. It was really uh, very impressive. Any opportunity you ever have a chance to see, uh, that movie in 70 millimeter, um, it changes you. It changes what you think about the movie. I, I wouldn't have give, given West Side Story the time of day until I saw a 70 millimeter print of it. And I'm like, holy crap, this is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> so the, uh, the presentation can certainly change your uh, perspective on a movie. Yeah. Um, that's happened to me a few times. Um, yeah, I guess those, that's all I can think of at the moment. I like that. Um, also, since you've dedicated your life to motion pictures, cinema, and 
you're just you're a big fan like we all are. I try. Are I there? Try. Yes, you're, I try. Are, and you're doing well. Are there any certain particular scenes from movies that have always stuck with you that inspire you that you think about all the time, like when you're watching another movie or when you get up in the morning and there any certain particular scenes um, that stick out? Yeah. I remember being very transfixed by the, uh, the Steadicam moves in this, in the thing. I, I just, the, the way John Carpenter was doing those shots at that time to me, was just so cool. And I did take a film class at uh, Loyola, Loyola Academy. Um, early on where we got to talk about that. And I was just, you know, I was like, that's what I want to learn about, man, the steady cam work, you know, uh, getting to see those camera crew guys do the, uh, uh, the setups and the execution of uh, certain shots is fantastic. I can understand why grip crews, once they build a setup, once they, uh, you know, get that all together, they want to take photos and, and show everybody, this is what we did to make this camera, ready for this shot and you know i think i think the the stuff that wow um the stuff that is really fun is i I like the uh i like when the entire crew works together on a particular shot and we nail it and uh, you know all the you know the grips on the dolly and the camera crew the you know the focus pullers getting their marks and everybody hitting their marks and you nail it and it's like wow you know that's exciting, you know, and we kind of applaud ourselves. <laughs> there, there were de- there were some scenes like that on Ninja Turtles where, um, you know, I, th- I think we were we were pretty proud of it. I remember there was this one time we had to move this giant python crane into the studio, and it took a lot of crew guys to get in on, you know, lifting that thing into place for some reason, and uh, and then finally using it uh, in some of those fight scenes was, uh, you know, that's pretty cool. It's you know. To do the job for is, you know, cool stuff like that. I remember thinking um, there there was some stuff that had to be shot from up high, and I'd look up at the studio ceiling, and I'd be like, "There's no way you don't pay me enough to climb up there." <laughs> not not a chance in hell. That's funny. Yeah. Well, we did have one accident on Ninja Turtles, though. There was um, the scene where they're caught in the net. The the wire snapped, ooh, which was. Uh, memorable and very unfortunate. And one of the uh, stunt guys, a couple of them did go to the hospital. Another broken, broken ankle, not a sprained ankle, like in little monsters, but I think one of the guys broke their ankle, but I'll never forget that because um, I, I was, uh, Terry Leonard was on one end of the stage directing the shot. The Ninja Turtles were in the middle up in the rope. Uh, The, the, um, there weren't any, um, uh, there weren't any Jim Henson people because we we're all using stunt heads. Uh, no, no animatronic heads in that shot. Um, John Cranhouse was on another camera at the other end. I was over by him and uh, the rope snapped. And I remember um, looking back to John sitting at the camera. He was just like frozen with this look on his face. And I was like stunned. And Terry Leonard gets up and says, don't anybody move. Don't anybody move. He shouts it across the stage. And um, he he took hold of that situation pretty quickly. I mean, you know, Terry's the man. Terry, uh, I, I just really liked, I really liked working for Terry Leonard. I mean, it was a very short amount of time. Uh, again, he was an, a, an assistant director who replaced the original uh, assistant director. It was Newt Arnold, who was the original uh, assistant on... Uh, 
second uh, unit director on Ninja Turtles 2. And, um, and Terry, for, for some reason, uh, uh, replaced him. They replaced him with Terry Leonard, which is kind of, again, kind of sad. Uh, if I had had IMDb, I would have found out that Newt was Sam Peckinpah's right-hand man. That he'd worked on a bunch of his movies. You know, he was like second AD on the Towering Inferno. I'd have been all over that, asking him questions. <laughs> but again, I didn't have the information. So, <laughs> but uh, Terry's resume is just freaking incredible. And he had stories about working on Apocalypse Now. He had stories about, uh, you know, doing a lot of wild stunt horse uh, action. I mean, it's just like everything. You know, That's that cool. guy's resume is just insane there's there's an interview that um terry did for uh i think it's a podcast called stunts unlimited and it's a british stunt uh organization podcast and it was that was great to hear it was great to you know i haven't I, again i haven't spoken with him since uh filming the movie but i'm very proud of that you know he does he probably doesn't even know me or remember me but i'm like you know, he'd be like, Steve, Steve, do this, do that. And I'm like, yep, I'm done. <laughs> I'm not, not going to talk. I'm just going to do it. <laughs> That's great. Um, we're going to move on to our bloody question. My bloody sure. question right now, a part of our show where we ask a fun question uh, related to the movie we're talking about, which is Little Monsters. Nice. And we bring that question, that question to Reddit and read some of the answers, but we'll answer them now. Uh, the question Steve, this week... Steve, you should know that uh, the question that I sent you, we are going to ask that one, like your craziest prank, but this one. Goes a <laughs> there was more. a prank on Little Monsters. I haven't told any about this, anyone about this. I, <laughs> oh. I remembered it the other day. I don't know why I hadn't mentioned it before. Go ahead. I'm okay. sorry. Yeah. So, we'll, we'll, so the, the question we asked to Reddit in that we, um, the, the question we sent you is just a little different. We added a layer to it. Okay. And so, um, it, that question is, if you could pull a prank on any horror movie monster, who would it be and what prank would you pull? <laughs> oh, my God. All right. This, 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 this is something that would literally take me an hour to come up with something very specific, <laughs> very deep cut. And I can't think of anything at the moment. But, but first, so we'll, we'll go first and I'll read some answers uh, right, off right. Reddit. But first, cool. we want to hear your awesome story of the prank on Little Monsters. Oh, well, it's not a prank that I did. If I, if I do a prank, I'm fired. <laughs> so, there's no pranking by me, right? So one day uh, I walk into the, uh, we're at the cement factory in Castle Hain. And um, the, 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 we had this uh, small, it was just a small office. It really wasn't even much in there. You know, the glass uh, windows on each side. Uh, it, it looked like some kind of a foreman's office or something. But we, we were using it as our sort of... Uh, uh, production team, you know, directing production team base. That was what we were using it for. And the place was all, it was all smoked up. It was, it was a freaking smoke stink bomb. Right. And I see Howie and Fred leaving the room. And in my memory, I think I see them actually lighting the thing, setting it off and leaving the room, getting the hell out of there. And Holy shit. <laughs> they smoked up the place. They did, man. And then I'm, I'm like, I only, only find out later that like Howie is like master prank. Yeah. Great. <laughs> they, they smoked it up. That's yeah. wonderful. That was, uh, uh, yeah. In retrospect, seeing uh, Maurice and Fred actually scoot around the corner from the office down the hall. 
<laughs> so it wasn't it wasn't entirely secret. <laughs> but I remember getting on the radio like, oh man, uh, it's gonna it's gonna take a few minutes to clear this place out. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. Smoke bomb. Oh, that's good. That's good. All right. <laughs> we're um we're gonna read some answers from Reddit uh right now that uh the if you could pull a prank on any horror movie monster, who would it be and what would you what would the prank be? Um Well Brian, what was yours? Oh mine was uh mine was um Norman Bates. I would pull a prank on Norman Bates from Psycho. (laughs) And I would give him a bunch of mannequins that looked like his mother. So he would just like, he'd come in and he'd be like, huh? Which one is which? That would be my prank. (laughs) What about you, Preston? Uh, Mine's mother theme too. Because we did did one... Uh, bloody question not too long ago around April Fool's Day for April Fool's Day and uh, I can't I feel like I answered something very similarly but mine's always pranking Jason Voorhees about his mom because it's easy one for me to go to and um, so I'd probably call Jason Voorhees and uh, say uh, I'm gonna take your mother out for a seafood dinner and never call her again (laughs) that is a good one um so i survived crowley high said i'd give hannibal lecter tofu liver which is a great one um or fistic said i'd swap frankenstein frankenstein's monsters bolts for thermostat timers uh mr yummy zero five said he would replace all the piano strings with boiled spaghetti in hereditary (laughs) <laughs> and foxy in boots said in the ring he would put the tv up really high towards the ceiling so that when samara the monster came out she would fall <laughs> down to the ground <laughs> as a uh, great uh, little prank and then a couple other ones would be funny would um one of the ones i put back in april fool's day was place whoopee cushions under the family in a quiet place and um, Phantasmacavri said, hide leather faces, chainsaw, and or fuel. Make them go look for it. So those are some pretty good ones. So with, with that, with that, uh, Steve, do you, do you have any, any, any I ideas? Know. I mean, I guess this maybe applies to something I thought of recently. But in 2001, I think I'd try to convince Hal that he's in a relationship with Siri. <laughs> And then that Siri is cheating on him and Hal gets pissed off about it somehow. That is quite amazing, sir. <laughs> Remember, yeah, I think you can ask Siri about Hal and, he, and, ha, and Siri will deliver some information. Uh, I'm <laughs> surprised. something we... like, I can't really talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> close the doors. It's, it's also, I'm, I'm currently reading uh, Space Odyssey, The Making of uh, 2001, which is an excellent book. And maybe that's why Hal's on my mind. That's well. That's great, Siri and um, Alexa and Hal. Just Alexa. love triangle. <laughs> I'd like to see how Hal would deal with that. I think he'd be resentful. He, he would. He wouldn't be singing Daisy. I know that for sure. <laughs> uh, that's great. I love that. Um, and then, um, as far as recommendations go, to end the show, are there any 
any recommendations of horror movies that you want to tell our listeners about that we yeah. might not have heard of? Well, um, there's a, a, a 20, I think it's 2017. Uh, it's a thriller called Emily. Uh, maybe you guys have heard of it. It stars Sarah Bolger and she plays a babysitter who is not who she says she is. And it's just disturbing. It's just, it's just a, a freaky movie. Uh, I remember, I remember digging that. And, uh, but I think the people that I've mentioned it to weren't aware of it, but uh, I look, I, I saw your uh, question and you'd emailed me and I, I was like, Oh yeah, Emily. And I looked it up on uh, uh, Rotten Tomatoes. got an 88%. Uh, you know, it's a good film. You know, if, if it unsettles me, I feel like, cause I, I, th- I think I'm a person who takes, uh, I love horror movies. It's kind of my thing. Uh, it takes a lot, I think, for me to feel discomforted, and this movie did that. So, excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, Preston, um, before I recommend the movie, I'd recommend Howie Mandel's uh, interview on uh, this little monsters thing because he just is expressing how much he did not like wearing the makeup and even <laughs> shared how uh yeah he didn't use a, a condom after wearing all that latex which was <laughs> very bizarre I'll, I'll tell you one thing i remember um <laughs> when after you've been wearing that makeup all day yeah. and how he was literally like cooking one, one of the first people there i mean as pas we'd have to get to the the studio and you know, or the cement factory we were filming and we're, you know, there early, you know, opening the place up in some cases. And uh, when it gets late in the day and you've had that makeup on your face all day, you cannot wait to yeah. get it off. And I remember uh, Howie just being like on, on one occasion, just being like, just get me out of here. Oh, you know, this makeup. And it's nothing to, you know, I can completely understand it because Howie is just like the nicest guy, yeah. you know. It just, uh, but but the the makeup can ultimately, uh, <laughs> you know, you just you just feel sort of, you know, constricted. I I, I I empathize. That's what I'm trying to say. I totally empathized with him on that. You know. Yeah, there were some there's some old uh, folklore stories of um, Freddy Krueger, Robert England. <laughs> after each day of wearing the latex and makeup, he wouldn't wait he would just literally rip it off and let oh, well, production that's, that's what we did that's what, that's what we did with howie in fact um there's a scene uh, well many times what would happen is you just take the horns and just pull them right off of his head and on the last scene that we filmed with howie i think on the day he was leaving uh which is i have a photograph of it on my instagram account of me and howie uh two of the crew guys one of them took one horn the other took the other and they just celebrated by pulling Maurice's horns off at that time. That's why he has no horns in the picture. <laughs> so it was, it was sort of a thing like, you know, when you got the uh, okay that you were not working for the rest of the day that you're off, boom, yeah. off go the horns. There you go. Um, yeah. I will. Yeah. I do want to say this about the Blu-ray interview. I was really pleased to see that. I, I thought it was fantastic. I, I think um, some people, you know, who are fans of the movie and even for other movies, they want certain actors to participate in the, uh, in the making of stuff. And, and I, I, and I, and I know like Fred loved this movie, you know, they, they loved working on this movie. It was a fun time. Um, And Frank, Frank Whaley, he, he liked one of my posts on boy. He's not, um, I, I don't feel like it's something that he 
I, I, I mean, I don't know. I haven't spoken to him since the set, but you know, it's not something I felt like he would uh, distance himself from. I, I just think it's a matter of, you know, either scheduling or uh, they just simply weren't asked. I, and again, I don't have, these are just my think, this is just my thinking on it. Yeah. Other than that, right. I know nothing about cool. the, the shooting or something. Yeah. Yeah. It was great to see Howie though. And the fact that he still has the jacket and the <laughs> yeah. earring, you know, <laughs> cool. Yeah. That's I mean, I, there's, I remember uh, Fred and I, we would trade baseball cards so I may still have a couple of those. I mean, some comics from the set. Uh, I remember the kids wanting the um, baseball cards on the wall, even though there were pins through them. <laughs> I still wanted the cards. Um, but yeah, it was great to see that he still had the the uh, the earring. I remember some of the others, uh, the makeup effects guy, um, Will, would periodically wear the earring himself as he was bringing Howie out. Howie out. It would be one of the be one of the last things that. Um, they would put on Maurice prior to filming because it was kind of long and it dangled around, yeah. you know, down on his shoulders. So it was one of the last things affixed. You know? That's cool. Always wondered that with the 21 Jump Street kids, how much they enjoyed having that really long. <laughs> 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 yeah. um, anyway, recommendation. So I looked up on oh, Facebook. I'm sorry if I, 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 no, no, we, if we, I went on a tangent. No, we enjoyed, sorry. enjoyed that. We enjoy all these stories, but um, uh, recommendation. So I saw in my Facebook memories today that uh, four years ago today, Brian and I were at Fantastic Fest and we saw Raw, uh, 2016 mm. Raw for the first time. Yeah. And I've recommended this movie probably a few times on this podcast. Um, but it was just when you were talking about like what's so special about like being a, a film critic and writing about film, like it really is just going to the theater with your buddies. And like at that time we were reading all those stories out of Toronto's midnight screening, how people were getting sick and there was just like all this anticipation. Oh, yeah. And then they gave us barf bags at the theater. And then they were, uh, they were serving something very beef tartare, beef tartare. Yeah. Yeah, to make it look like uh, raw meat. And so we were just like, we were ready for it. And uh, and sure, yeah, there's parts in the movie that uh, can make your stomach, like your lunch come up. But at the end of the day, it really is just a really sweet film about two sisters. And um, I, I just, I think about that a lot. Um, like the, the power of a, a horror movie in that you can think that it's going to be like one thing, but it has like all these layers to it. And so mm. that movie has always just meant a lot to me over the past few years. And um, yeah, it's one of my favorites in any opportunity I can, I'll recommend that one. There you go. Um, mine. Um, I'm going to do uh, a, a double feature that goes well, very well with little monsters has the uh, Jim Henson, uh, relation and kids and terror. Uh, the Witches with Angelica Houston. Great mm -hmm. double feature with Little Monsters mm -hmm. because they're both have that sense of uh, diabolical, sinister actions against kids. Uh, but also, it's a very sweet film and fun and for all ages. I mean, shit, Mr. Bean's in it. And, uh, <laughs> and it's got the Jim Henson aspect to it and great uh, visual effects and great work. So I think. Nice. Watch Little Monsters and follow it up uh, with uh, the witches. Yeah, the the witches. Uh, 
That's a that's a great one, actually. A, a buddy of mine who who lives um, a couple blocks away. Um, uh, in fact, uh, um, he recommended it to me recently, and I uh, 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 he loaned me the Blu-ray. Uh, no, not the Blu-ray, but the uh, the DVD, and it's on Disney Plus. Um, just, yeah, it's good. I'm sorry, I was just trying to remember his name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a, drawing a, a blank. Apparently, apparently, I'm like uh, super nervous or something. So I'm drawing. Oh, don't blank. be nervous. No, yeah, the yeah. the, the J, little... uh, JP Willett. I don't know what he'd, he'd be like. Steve, what the fuck? You can't remember his <laughs> stupid name. This is how I am. I'm very ADD, but you know, uh, and, and it's hard for me to focus on certain certain things. But yeah, JP uh, recommended the movie. JP actually, um, he was second assistant director on the Terminator, and he's he was telling me he still had stuff from the movie, and I'm like, dude. I'd love to see it. You oh, know, he tells me he's, he said he still has the photo from the end of the movie. And I'm like, well, like he, there were 14 of them or something. Anyway, uh, JP highly re- uh, agrees with you on that. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but which is it's a great, it's still a great movie. And I know they're supposed to remake it or something like that. So I think Robert Zemeckis is actually remaking it. So that interesting. Really? Yep. So curious on that, but uh, that wraps up my bloody podcast. Um, thank you. Thank you, Stephen, uh, for coming on the show. We very much enjoyed this and we would love to have you on oh, again. Uh, you want to tell everybody, all our listeners where they can find you online? Uh, yeah. Most of my stuff I've been posting. Um, I'm not good at Twitter. I have a Twitter account, but I'm not really good at it. Uh, I'm on uh, Instagram.com slash cinema nitrate all one word. And uh, I'd like to uh, mention uh, the Boston Online Film Critics Association. Those guys are great. Uh, I, you know, it it makes me think I got to get more film criticism out there. You know, I've been working on book stuff for the past year. So uh, it's been a while. It's been a while. But um, the Boston Online Film Critics, they're at uh, bofca.com. And uh, you'll see our yearly choices there. We're kind of confused about what we're going to do this year in terms of, you know, the limited number of movies yeah the, the we're theater, all in the but, same uh, boat here we'll make it work yeah we have we we know um somebody uh in the boston film critics besides you now we know andrew crump oh yeah andy yeah. awesome yeah we know him so uh yeah we're go find all of uh steve's uh work uh definitely purchase this vestron collector's edition of little monsters you can't go wrong. It's still amazing. Mm. And uh, yeah, that's my bloody podcast this week. And uh, thank you for listening. Thanks for having me.